want to welcome everyone to church, uh, everyone that's logging in, and um, some uh, what a special day we are having here. And um, thank you, Gene, for doing that for us. And um, uh, we, you know, hoping that everyone is uh, safe and your family safe and all that. And um, uh, we are grateful. And even at times like this, I think. Uh, one thing that uh, we want to be wise in all that we do, but one thing that is so important for us as the people of God is to not fear. Um, it's okay to be prepared. It's okay to be careful or thoughtful in everything, but to not fear. And um, uh, because we are the people of God and we put our trust in Him, and so whatever comes our way, it's a great time to just reflect on my own faith in God and that I will not fear, uh, whether it is a hurricane or whatever comes uh, my way, and so we put our trust in God always. Um, you know, we're just uh, grateful to have our time together to worship, and there's something meaningful uh, about joining together, and some of you who are joining even online, but to be live together, um, to be with others um, when it is difficult, and when it is uh, difficult to get to. It reminds me of when I was at Haiti, um, right after the earthquake, and I still remember vividly the church service on that Sunday where probably 800 or 1,000 people gathered under this tarp of a roof. Just the, half of the frame was there, the other was destroyed during the earthquake. And I remember seeing all the people coming to church and um, their clothes were perfectly pressed and they were wearing uh, often a lot of white silk linen shirts and just looking so good and coming to church sitting under this building that is, was there and under a blue tarp and the electricity was cutting in and out and yet there's something encouraging seeing uh, these believers coming to church, um, walking through puddles and mud and this and that uh, to get there and to sit outside and the service was uh, quite long, maybe twice as long as our service is here and to sit through that and to worship and just the sight of it was uh, something that was encouraging. And so even today as we come, as we've been through so much, to gather all together like this, I think is an encouragement to see. Today I want to share with you about uh, spiritual wisdom, and I want you to uh, think about how can I grow in this spiritual wisdom. Uh, when we think of someone spiritual, what might come to mind is someone who, um, you know, it might be like incense and uh, it might be, you know, tie-dye and someone on the beach or someone that um, meditates or I don't know what comes to mind, but what the Bible talks about a spiritual person is someone who has this wisdom from God uh, through God. And so it's speaking of people like you and me as we gather here that we are called to be spiritually wise people. Um, Oftentimes in life, we kind of stop growing at a certain point. Physically, we, they say we stop growing. The average per person stops growing at age uh, 15 to 21. You know, somewhere along there, uh, you stop growing. And if you've been, you know, marking the doorway at your house, that's kind of where it kind of tapers off. But also professionally, um, there's been studies done how we stop growing oftentimes after our 30s. Um, some of the studies that I came across, it's interesting. Uh, obviously, athlete, athletes, um, your peak is 21 to 27, and after that, you fall off pretty quickly. Uh, Benjamin Jones from Northwestern had a study on people who were 
prize-winning who are making prize-winning scientific discoveries. Uh, they were the, the elite scientists, and they said most of the findings were found in their 20s and 30s, and then there was a decline. All right, you see in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Financial professionals, people who handle money and so on, and economics, their peak performance years were age 36 through 40, right? And doctors, they peak at age 30, studies have shown, and there's a steep drop-off as they get older. One Canadian study found that uh, physicians over 65 were 50% 50 50 more likely than their younger counterparts uh, to be found at fault for malpractice. And so the first thing you gotta ask when you go to a doctor's visit, how old are you, right? Um, and then, did you go to med school? Um, people that are in creative careers, whether artists or musicians or writers, their peak hits about 20 years into their, the beginning of their career. So if they start at age 22, around 42 is the pinnacle, and then it drops off, and so on and so forth. And I share this with you. Not to discourage you if you are on the other side, not to encourage you if you are right on that sweet spot, but to encourage you and say, let's keep growing. Um, let's not fall off as we normally do in whatever mental or uh, professional capacities that we might have. But let me encourage you to keep growing spiritually. I heard a message a while back by John Piper, he talks about having a vision of becoming a, a, a wise sage, to be a sage that people will come to, and have a vision for your life where in 20 years, in 10 years, that I could have so much wisdom, and I could be the sage where people would come and they would want to drink of the wisdom that I have learned how to deal with difficult people, how to handle hard circumstances, how to handle my fears. Um, what does the Bible say about this and that? What is, who is God like? How can I pray to him? And someone who is filled with wisdom, and so that in our friendships, the, in our relationships, in our mentoring, where someone who is 20 years younger, 10 years younger, 30 years younger, would continue to come and say, what should I do? And they would think of you as a person who is the wise person. And what, what a great vision that is. This doesn't require a seminary degree or a Bible degree or a doctorate degree. This is us sitting at the teaching of God um, by the Holy Spirit and growing in this way. And so we could continue to grow. Uh, as you grow older have a vision to be filled with this wisdom, this spiritual wisdom. Today we look at this passage. We're going to be looking at what does spiritual wisdom look like? What are the kind of the parts of the spiritual wisdom that we see here? Um, what's happening here in the church in Corinth is there's all sorts of philosophies that are coming in. The Greek philosophies and the Stoics and everyone is bringing their thoughts in into the church. You can imagine the church is kind of very decentralized. There's meeting in homes and uh, someone who might be eloquent or who is bold or who is now charismatic could stand up and really sway people's beliefs one way or the other. It happens today with uh, aberrant teachings and cults and so on. And yet, and so in those days, people were getting swept up by someone who was very articulate or that sounded very intelligent. And Paul is arguing to them that... It's not the style of how the teaching is, it's the content. 
and that it is from God. And he now tells the readers in Corinth, and he tells us today, what is spiritual wisdom? Again, it's not someone who we think is spiritual who says they are some kind of a guru or they have some kind of abilities, but really the Bible describes uh, the spiritual wise person or the spiritual wisdom in this way. Number one, uh, spiritual wisdom is about having an eternal perspective. When we learn the biblical spiritual truths, we start having an eternal perspective because we learn truths that are eternal. Um, it says here in verse 6, and it talks about it in, in two categories, the wisdom of the world versus God's eternal wisdom. Verse 6 says, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not, look at this little phrase here, not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So category one, he says there's a wisdom of this age. It's temporal. The teachers will pass away. Uh, it is short-sighted. It is a wisdom about how to live here and now. It is the wisdom that says life is the dash in between, and you just live for that. Your career is all about trying to now hurry up and hopefully retire, and you have a little bit of life left at the end to go and enjoy what little you saved. And we think that is it, and that is the short-sighted wisdom. Now, retirement is a good thing. Saving money is a good thing. Uh, being uh, responsible is a good thing. All of those are good things. But that is not the, what our life is ultimately about. Because the wisdom from God teaches us that there is an e you are an eternal being. There are things that are eternally of value. It says here in the next verse, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. He describes this as the wisdom of God. So there's the wisdom of man that's perishing. There's the wisdom of God that is eternal. It's been around for eternity. The wisdom of God has been true since before you were alive and before you go to glory. And it is what he calls a hidden, a secret and hidden wisdom of God. What does that mean? You know, sometimes we, uh, in best-selling books and movies and so on, or even certain televangelists will come and say, I have a secret, I decipher the Bible in a certain mystical code, and I will te teach you about life or about your life. And that's not what it's saying here. What it's talking about is something that is hidden to some, and yet it's something that you could find. It's something that someone will look at, they don't get, but it's something that someone else sees and they get. You ever see some of those... Uh, like puzzles and pictures, and they say, look at it, you know, it looks like a picture of an animal, but if you look at it a certain way, it's a picture of a lady or whatever it is. And some people, you say, I just can't see it, right? Some people, I see it, can't you see both? You know, it's, it's a picture of a lady's face or whatnot. Um, and it's kind of like that. It's the idea that, that some can see this. You can understand this. And it is about what is eternal. So the eternal perspective teaches me to live in a certain way that I prepare for eternity, not just for retirement, that is uncertain. That I live for eternity, so it helps me not just to hoard my own things, but to be generous with the things that I have. Not to hoard my own time, but to use my time and energy to benefit others in this way. Um, I was just so uh, blessed, too. We had our teacher's morning service earlier, and uh, they all showed up through the storm and 
uh, we in Southern California cannot handle rain too well, you know, we're, um, and uh, we don't have the right gear, and we have, we, we have SUVs, so finally you get to use it, right? Uh, but uh, we come, and, uh, but they showed up, right? They geared up, they showed up, because they're here to teach. They came early in this rain to teach, and I thought that's a perspective of thinking of long-term, that there's a child who's going to come to church today, a family who's going to bring their children to church today who need some time for the child to grow, for the parents to sit in worship and grow. William Barclay in his commentary says, the person without the spirit lives, lives as if there was nothing beyond the physical life and there were no needs other than material needs. Think about your personal dreams or the things that you care for things that you are concerned for, the things that are burdening you? Is it things of just the material world, or is it things that are of eternal value? Um, spiritual wisdom, secondly, is a gift from God. Uh, we see this language used here, verse 12. It uses the language about, it's a free gift, right? It says, um, now we have received, right? It hasn't been earned or bought, you've received it. Uh, you receive gifts, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We might understand these things. It's given to us freely. We receive it freely. It's a gift given to us. So, um, learning spiritual uh, wisdom is not about how much I've deserved it. It's not how much I've earned it. It's not what I practice so much to obtain. It's not saying I will meditate and empty my mind for hours and hours so I can now reach a different state, as all the other religions really will argue. you got to earn it. you got to do it. Here he's saying, no, this, this uh, wisdom is fr uh, free. You did nothing to earn it. Now, when we think about in the church, when we think about the concept of the grace of God, we think of, like, salvation is free. Forgiveness is free. And we often forget... And, that we, we assume that's about it. But here it teaches us even wisdom that we gain from God is a gift. Um, this is what uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. What does the Holy Spirit do? One of the things that he does and is, is explained in the doctrine of illumination. This is what theologians call it. Illumination Illumination is what God the Holy Spirit does to those who are born again, gives them the ability, opens their spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, so they understand, so they could perceive. Uh, J.I. Packer says it this way, Illumination is not a giving of new revelation, but a work within us that enables us to grasp and to love the revelation that is there before us in the biblical text as heard and read and as explained by teachers and writers, it says, right? This is not a, a new thing. Uh, illumination is not that the word becomes all of a sudden something happens to it. This is already inspired word. The problem is I cannot see it or read it. I am illiterate prior to God the Holy Spirit allowing me. So the illumination is, I've come alive. I understand these things. I, I get these things. 
And that's what that teaching is. Um, Ephesians 1, 15 and on is this passage. I'll just read here. It speaks about God the Holy Spirit opening the eyes of our hearts. We sing that popular praise song, which is from this verse. Uh, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. The eyes of our hearts enlightened. You ever hear a message that just cuts to the heart? Uh, just speaks to you? You ever read a uh, maybe a, just even on your own, you're reading scripture and sometimes it just pops out. It's your life verse. It's something that is directing you. It's changing the course of your life. Over the years and now um, decades of preaching, I've had this instance many times. Uh, many times where people have come up to me after and they said, boy, it's like you, Taylor, made that sermon for me directly, Right? Um, and I've had people say that. I've had two instances years back where uh, two different people have said, came up to me after the sermon. They said, hey, Pastor, did, uh, did my, my mom called you this week, huh? And I said, no, your mom didn't call me this week. No, she, I know she probably said, don't say anything. But, I mean, you wrote that for me. Like, it was like, um, it was as if she told you to say that, right? And in my mind, I'm thinking, I didn't even think about you this week, right? What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> no, um, no, I didn't. Um, why does that happen? It's not just coincidence. It's not something, but it's, I, I believe it is the illumination of our ears and hearts. And we hear, whether it's the preached word or reading of the scriptures directly, and something just burns in our hearts. It cuts to the heart. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus after Jesus is crucified, they encounter now the resurrected Christ. He hides his identity. He walks with them on the famous story in Luke 24. And after he teaches them, and he, when he departs, the two say this, and I love this passage, Luke 24, 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Their eyes and their ears of their hearts were illuminated. And when Jesus was teaching the scriptures about the Messiah to come, and they said, my heart was burning. There was an excitement. There was a passion. There was something happening as we heard the scriptures. And that is now what God the Holy Spirit does within us. So it is not so much because we are so smart, we are good listeners, we are good students. It's because God the Holy Spirit allows this to happen. It is a grace of God. Spiritual wisdom, thirdly, uh, is practical. Um, it is not about how much you know. Knowing a lot is important. It's not about just the trivia. Knowing facts about the Bible is important. But it's practical. It's how you live it out. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So he asks a rhetorical question and he answers himself, Who is wise and understanding among you? James, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus, he asks, Who is the wise and understanding among you? 
And we might point to, oh, well, this guy is a doctorate, has a doctorate or two degrees or three degrees. This person understands all the ancient philosophies. This person knows all the biblical languages. Isn't it one of these people? And he says, it is the one that by his good conduct, he shows his works. By his good conduct. It is visible. So someone who is, uh, has spiritual maturity is not someone who is quick to add, give answers or understand some theology and is able to give the right textbook answers right away. But the spiritually wise person is someone who lives with a good conduct. And it is seen by others. It shows, it says in that verse, let him show his works. You know, when I was in elementary school, um, the latter part, I shared this before, but, you know, I went to a, a Christian private elementary school for about three years, and we'd wear a uniform, red cardigan, blue khakis, a white shirt, and I had to go to school like that every day. And uh, we used to have, for fun, um, we had recess, but we would also have break time, and for fun it was find the verse, and we would all sit there like a race, and we would have our Bibles, like you couldn't open it ahead of time, and you weren't allowed to use a table of contents, right? And you was waiting, and they say, First uh, Corinthians soup, you know, two one, and then I got it. They read, and you get a point. I mean, that was like that was an exciting day at uh, uh, that was really exciting, right? Um, and then they would have Bible trivia, right? Um, you know, who is the oldest person in the Bible? Who is this? Who is that? And they would they would say all these things. But it's not so much about that. It's someone who. Yeah, we'll know and understand who God is, but someone who lives it out. You know, when we uh, went to Thailand and our uh, missionary partner there, Pastor Daniel and Song, uh, they worked at Chiang Mai Seminary, and the person that they introduced me to is the founder of Chiang Mai Seminary, uh, Dr. Henry um, Blaventhal. Um, Dr. Henry, as they all called him, uh, went there 60 years ago. Uh, Christianity Today just recently did a piece on Dr. Henry. There's a little picture of him that was on Christianity Today back in June. Talks about him. He's been in Thailand for 60 years. He is now 91 years old. Right? Um, this is at a worship service at the seminary, at the church he planted. He went 60 years ago. Now, he was a, a medical doctor. And after he had finished medical school and became a doctor, he had this calling to go into ministry, to go help others. So he ends up going to Dallas Seminary. And after graduating from seminary, he gets sent to go as a medical missionary. And he goes and he helps others and he serves others. He works with the poorest people in the tribes, in the mountains. He, he dealt with uh, people with leprosy and he went and he shared the gospel. He started uh, Bangkok Bible College and Chiang Mai Theological Seminary, planted churches in between. He sacrificed a lot, right, if you think about this. He, he sacrificed the income and the lifestyle of a, a doctor. He never, never married. He was single his whole life. You can imagine the lonely meals that he had alone and how difficult it is in a foreign land, learning a language uh, later in life and so on. But one of the things that this Christianity Today highlights, one of the stories, is years back, 
that he went to the small village and there was a, a lady there who was in a coma. And they called him over to help her and she was in a coma, needed to get to a hospital. They didn't have cars or means to get there. And they shared the story about how Dr. Henry put this lady on his back. A lady who is in a coma put her on his back and walked all the way to the clinic. Gets her to the clinic, the staff now take care of her, revives her, and she comes back out of her coma. And it says that later afterwards, she had become a Christian. What is impressive about someone like this is not just his knowledge, his medical knowledge, his Bible knowledge, his knowledge of two languages and cultures, but the spiritual wisdom that is seen in a practical way that he would carry someone who is in a coma down to a clinic where he could have easily seen how this is beneath him, below him. This is too hard for him. Life is that he deserves more. He's a, he's a doctor. He's a seminary grad. And when she came to and she found out, you could imagine, who is this person? Who is this person from America? Why did he do this? How did I get here? And they're saying, he carried you on his back all this way. It's a no-brainer that she becomes a Christian. So, spiritual wisdom is practical. Please don't be impressed with yourselves about what you know, what you believe in, what creed you have, what beliefs you have. Those are all good things, but yet what's more important is now, are you living this out? That it is visible to others. And it says, James says here, that by good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Outwardly, there's good conduct. Inwardly, there's meekness or humility. Oftentimes, we are humble in our outward giving. We look the other way. We don't say anything. We don't speak up. We don't help anyone. That's a humility in the outward. But in the inside, we might think a lot about ourselves. He says, no, it's the other way around. Spiritual wisdom is one who has a good conduct and his works are visible. Everyone feels and experiences. It is tangible. But inside, they are meek. There's a humility there. Our spiritual wisdom, lastly, it culminates in Jesus Christ. He is the wisdom from God. He is wisdom personified. He is God's wisdom to us. And he is a stumbling block for many back then. And they talk about this. They say, boy, uh, to see a, a Messiah who is crucified, the Jews found that to be a stumbling block. Uh, those in the Greeks, they also found him to be a stumbling block. They wanted a warrior type, a leader type, a strong type, and he comes in the form of a suffering servant. He is the picture of God's wisdom to us. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.30, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. Wisdom from God. 
Colossians 2, 3, speaking of him, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is the wisdom that we need. Paul says in Colossians 2, 3, that he is like treasure. Once you find out who he is, the value goes up. Once you understand who God is, who Christ is, he is worth more and more and more, and he is worth more than my own life. It is in Matthew 13, 44, right? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. This is, I mean, this is a vivid picture. This is like, I don't know if you're like me. One of the shows I, I like to watch for a while was, um, one of those shows they go into like a, storage units and they they have auctions right and sometimes they pay 50 bucks and it looks really bad but they 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 say i know it's kind of scripted but you know it's still exciting they say i see it back there right i could see by that handle that that is a that's a louis vuitton right bag i could see i'm an expert right and they're excited and then they pay 50 bucks and they open it up and it's worth hundreds and hundreds and that's the picture that uh, uh the gospel is saying it's like that person, they looked inside that storage unit, and they say, oh my gosh, there's diamonds in there and gold in there. They don't know about it. Hurry up and bid. If I have to fork out all my money, just buy it, because what's in here is worth that much more. And Jesus is described in this way, a treasure hidden in a field. He is our wisdom. He is our example to follow. Uh, you know, when we get into... Um, significant relationships, and you see this often, right? I remember, you know, when uh, we were younger and, uh, you know, like amongst friends, um, like one of the guys would get a girlfriend, right? And we've kind of experienced this, right? And then all of a sudden, he's too busy. He's always hanging out with the girlfriend, right? And we're like, man, you know, come on, you know, like and we would tease him. Um, going, oh, I'm busy. I got to, you know, go. And I got to comb my hair and get my outfit. And I got to go. We got to go watch a movie. I'm going to go watch Barbie or whatever. He's like, man, all right? Like, forget you, right? Um, And their life changes because that person becomes more important. You see this with uh, new parents with newborns. All of a sudden, all their social media is about all the baby stuff. The baby sat up today, right? The baby rolled halfway today. Uh, Look at my baby's hands, and it's all about that. Even oftentimes, they're, um, you know, just... Their image on there, right, is the picture of their child that changes. Because that person becomes so important. And all of a sudden, my life is wrapped around them, and I live like them and for them. And Jesus Christ is that grid for my life, the foundation for my life on how I live. Now, everything is based around him, how he lived, who he lived. We value him so much that if I could live to value him, there is wisdom. The writer of Proverbs talks about this as well. The beginning of wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. If I value him more and I understand that he is the wisdom of God, the choices I make now fall in line. And he is my my treasure in this way. For the Christian whose God the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes to this, now this is the wisdom we live by. Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God given to us 
who died on the cross, rose again from the dead for our sins. The grace of God in him. Let's pray together. Uh, we thank you, Lord, and uh, you are the wisdom of, that we need, how to live, what we live for, and so on and so forth. So we thank you, God. We thank you we can grow in our wisdom in so many ways. Lord, outwardly we are wasting away, but Lord, inwardly we're, we're being renewed. Day by day, we're go- growing more, learning more, learning who you are. We have a long ways to go. So, Lord, this week, today, would you help us to grow in our wisdom as we trust in you always, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.